Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 11 through 14. Here we go. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Father, we need your help today to um, not only hear your word, but God, to, to have the will to obey. Uh, God, to have the desire uh, to embrace your truth by faith. Father, we need grace uh, and help to be speakers of truth. And Lord, that we might progress in our faith, that we might become more and more like Jesus. So Father, speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Every week uh, in the mailbox, we get to look forward to uh, some kind of hearing aid and uh, advertisement for my dad. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I'm not just talking about once or twice. I'm talking like like every week uh, there is a different hearing aid. Like sometimes it's for hearing aids. Sometimes it's for... uh, uh, hearing center, sometimes it's for a hearing test, but, but every week we get hearing stuff, uh, in the mail for my dad. Now it's, it's strange for a couple different reasons. First of all, my dad doesn't live with us. You, you probably knew that he lives in Kansas, uh, with my mom where he should live. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny that, that my dad has never moved outside of Scott County, Kansas. So he's lived there for, he'll be 61 here at the end of this month. And so he's lived there his whole life. And so I don't know why we get his hearing aid mail, but we do. And so, uh, we, we, kind of think it's funny to save it up. And then whenever we see him, we're like, dad, here's your hearing aid stuff, you know? And, uh, but he doesn't think he has a problem, you know? And, and, and I guess he doesn't. I mean, I talked to him on the phone this morning. He heard me fine. I I think he's okay. But, but what I would assume when you're receiving that much hearing aid information is that they know something that he doesn't know, right? And, and I think my mom actually might be in on it because she, she tends to agree, uh, not so much hearing, but listening skills. She complains about that a lot, that he, he needs help in that area. And, and so I think whenever you hear something over and over and over again like that, that probably you should take, uh, take kind of uh, heed to that and, and assume that maybe they know something that you don't. That's got to be how these folks feel that are, that are reading uh, this letter that came to them from the writer of Hebrews, because throughout this thing, he has, he has talked to them about hearing problems. Okay. In chapter uh, two, if you remember that verse one, he says, guys, you got to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And then in chapter three, verse seven, he said, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. In chapter three, verse 15, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Chapter four, verse seven, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Chapter four, verse two, he says, look, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to fail to reach this rest that God has given. Remember that from a couple weeks ago. And then in verse two, he says, good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Okay, it wasn't united by faith. They have a hearing problem. And now in verse 11, he just comes right out and accuses them. He says, look, I've got a lot more to say to you, but I can't say it because you're dull of hearing. 
Okay, you, you've got hearing problems, all right? He just comes right out with the accusation uh, that these folks have hearing problems. And the reason he knows they have hearing problems is because they're not progressing in their life as Christians, okay? Now, time for a big truth here. Okay, here's the truth of the scriptures. You are to progress in your faith, okay? I am so sorry if somebody told you when you got saved or you just kind of got the sense from everybody that, that, that whenever you come to know Jesus Christ, that when you make that step of turning from your sins and placing your faith in him and you're joined to Christ in every way, that, that things are over, okay? They're not over at all. In fact, they've just begun. And from that point on, God is working in you to shape you into the image of his son, And that ought to be happening in a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, for the rest of your life, all the way to glory. He's going to be changing you and transforming you into the image of his son, okay? So if you're not going forward, okay? So if you find that you look at your life and you're like, okay, I was here in my spiritual life a year ago, and I am now I'm uh, right here again. I'm at the same spot. Or maybe I'm a little regressed. Maybe I'm not living in obedience even as I was a year ago. There is a problem. Problem with that, okay? A huge problem with that. Whenever people don't grow as Christians, that is a sign that, that, that there's something wrong in the Christian life, and it's a sign what the writer of Hebrews is saying is there's a problem with your hearing, okay? Now, here's what's true. It's never a problem with the Word of God, okay? This is never deficient. Did you know that? I mean, th- this, this never, like, blows it, okay? It's never that the Word of God has a problem or that, that it's, it's not what it ought to be. In fact, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews 4, 12. It says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You know what that verse just said? The word of God's never dull. Okay, do you see the contrast there? There's times where we're dull. There's times where our hearing is dull. But the word of God, man, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Romans 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. The word of God produces faith, okay? It works in us. It shapes us. 2 Timothy is a great list of just all kinds of cool things that the word of God does in our life. Verse 16 says, all scriptures breathed out by God and it's profitable for, listen to the list here, for teaching. Okay, for reproof, okay, it reproves us, it corrects us for correction, for training in righteousness. The word of God will train you in righteousness. It will be your personal trainer. It will enable you to progress in righteousness, in practical personal righteousness. If you're a believer, you already have the the righteousness of Jesus, okay? But now the word of God is shaping you into the image of Christ to, to a practical righteousness. And then look at verse 17, that the man of God may be I love this word, competent. Don't you love competent? Nobody likes to be incompetent. Nobody likes to be asked to do something that they don't have the skills or the ability or the know-how to do. Well, listen, the word of God makes you competent for every good work, equipped for every good work, all right? So there's no lack in the word of God. And so when a person is not progressing in holiness, in Christ-likeness, in fruit-bearing, there is a hearing 
problem in that person, okay? If we go into the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us a great parable in Luke chapter uh, uh, 8. It's the parable of the sower. Remember that? Let me just tell it to you real quick. So there's a farmer, and he goes out, and he's sowing seed. He's planting his crop, and he throws some seed out, and some of it falls on the hard-packed road, the highway. That seed doesn't even sink in. The birds come and carry it away. Other seed falls on the shallow ground, okay? So it falls on ground that has just a little bit of soil, and then there's rock. Well, the seed sprouts up. It comes up. It looks like it's going to go, but then it, it rithers up and dries up, and, and it never produces fruit because it was too shallow. It wasn't any depth of soil. Some seed falls on the weedy ground, okay? So it falls on the weedy ground, and again, it comes up. It looks like it's going to make it, but then the weeds choke it out. It doesn't get any nutrients. It doesn't ever bear fruit. And then other, other seed falls on the good soil, and it sinks in, and, and it comes up, and it bears fruit hundredfold. Great crop, okay? Now, listen to Jesus' interpretation of that parable, all right? And by the way, in verse 10, He says at the end of verse 10, he says, but uh, for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Okay, so he kind of sets this up that that, that there's going to be an issue here of hearing. Now, let me start reading in verse 11. The parable, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So we, we already talked about that. The seed's the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. And they believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And their fruit is not mature. And, and as for the good soul, they are those who, hearing the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, look at verse 18. It says, take care then how you hear. Okay, there's the application. Take care how you hear. Be careful how you hear. There's a way that you ought to hear and a way that you ought not hear. That's what he's saying. And he's saying there are some folks who have hearing problems, and that's the problem in their spiritual life. That's why they're not progressing, okay? Now, the writer of Hebrews sets this up in verse 11, saying there's a bunch more that I have to say to you about about this, it says. About this, we have much more to say. Now, what's he talking about this? Well, if we go up a little bit, look at verses 7 through 10. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. All right, remember last week we talked about the high priestly ministry of Jesus and we talked about how the Old Testament gives us a category to understand the the, the ministry of Jesus. You know, we understand this high priest, he can only go into the Holy of Holies once a year and he came in as a representative of the people and he came in with a sacrifice of blood to sprinkle on the altar and you're like, what's all that about? Bam, Jesus comes on the scene and we see Jesus is our high priest. He is our representative. He is the one who goes to the Holy of Holies, to the presence of God for us and offers the sacrifice of his own flesh for our sins. Okay. And so now the writer's saying, man, I got a bunch more. I want to tell you about that, but I can't, I can't because you've got a hearing problem. And he says in verse 11, because you become dull of hearing the word dull is the word lazy or sluggish. Okay. It's a laziness toward the word of God. Now, 
There's a bunch of things that could contribute to this, okay? We're going to look at three today, okay? We're going to look at being lazy toward knowing the truth. We're going to look at being lazy toward sharing the truth. And we're going to look at being lazy toward applying the truth, all right? And I think all those three go together very nicely. In fact, in Psalm 119, there's a, there's a great passage. I was reading through Psalm 119. I was like, oh man, there they are right together, okay? If you're struggling to love God's word, if you're struggling to, to have an appetite for the word of God, if you're struggling just to even hear the word of God, I want you to see these three things go together in, in the word, okay? Look at verse 44, Psalm 1944. He says, I will, this is, this is the psalmist saying, I will keep your law continually forever and ever. All right, here's a guy who says, God, whatever you tell me, I'm going to obey, okay? And I want you to ask yourself, is that you? Is that you? Are you the guy that says, God, whatever you tell me, I'm going to obey it. I'm not going to be the guy that says, hey, God, go ahead and tell me, and then I'll make a judgment on whether or not I think that's a good idea, you know? I may like it, I may not, okay? Or are you the person that says, God, whatever you tell me, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to live it out. Now, look at what he says in verse 46. He says, I will speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. All right, he says, God, I'm going to be the kind of guy, I'm going to share your truth. God, when you give me truth, when you, when, when, when you give me truth, I'm going to obey it, and then I'm going to share it. I, I, I'm going to give it to other people, Okay? Now, look at, look at what verse 47 says, the next verse. For I find delight in your commandments, which I love. All right, do you want to be the kind of person who loves God's truth, who can't wait to have more of God's truth? Okay, you got it. That person is the person who obeys the commands and who speaks the commands, okay? Who obeys the word that God gives him and speaks the word that God gives him. The person who is lazy or sluggish is not that guy, okay? First of all, they may be the person who just doesn't give effort to knowing God's truth. Guys, we gotta give effort to the word of God, okay? If you're gonna give effort to anything in your life, this ought to be at the top of the priority list, okay? You need to give effort to God's truth. You need to know the story of God. You know, do you you know, you know, when I read just a minute ago, In verse 10, about Jesus Christ being designated a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I wonder how many people in our four services, and I bet you these are going to be a bunch, that their question is going to be, Melchizedek, what? You know, what's a Melchizedek? I don't have one of those. Can we buy those here at the church? What? I mean, who's Melchizedek? I mean, who is this guy? And why has he got this name? Okay. Well, listen, Melchizedek is part of the story of God. Everything in the Bible is about Jesus. All right. It is all just trucking right into the story of Christ, of his coming and his living out the kingdom and of his dying, a substitutional death to pay for your sins and rising again to glory and now ministering on your behalf at the right hand of God soon to come back and bring us into glory. Folks, it's all about Jesus. And so everything in the Old Testament from creation to Abraham to Moses to, to David all the way through to the incarnation, the shepherds and the wise men, it's all about Jesus. And so ask yourself, this do i know the story of god one of the things that i want to work on because i think we've not done a good job at this with, with in baptist life i think we're getting better it's on our radar screen in fact let me just say this we're doing a good job with your kids okay we're we're, we're doing a good job with with your we're giving your kids something that you probably did not get 
And what that is, is a big picture of the Bible, okay? If, 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 you go, if you ask your kids, if they come on Wednesday night, if you ask them, hey, what's the story of the Bible? You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you, here's the story of the Bible. Creation, fall, flood, promises, exodus, kings, prophets, incarnation, kingdom, cross, resurrection, church, second coming. That's what they're going to tell you. That's the story of the Bible. And they're going to be able to fill in each one of those categories with different stories that appear in the Bible, okay? A lot of adults can't do that. You know why? Because we didn't learn the story of God that way, okay? We, 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 had a, we had a story on, on, on Moses, you know, on one Sunday, you know, and, and it was a great story and we, we took great truth out of Moses. And then the next story it was on, it was on Jesus walking on the water. And the next week it was on Paul, you know, being shipwrecked. And, and we're trying to put all this together, you know. You need to know the story of God. We're going to work on that. Actually, I'm going to think about uh, doing a Wednesday night series. If I can get free from Team Kids this, this spring, I'd love to do just like a four-week series on the story of the Scripture. Being able to tell the story of the Bible. And you know what you ought to do, though? You ought to just try out. You ought to see kind of where are you at on this. Today at lunch, when you gather your family together, here's what you need to do. We did this uh, with my family uh, this week. We just said, okay, can we tell the story of redemption? Can we tell the story of God? And, and, and so just start out. So where does it start, guys? Where does it start? We all know. It starts with creation, right? And so you, the best way to do this is tag team, okay? So you start out with somebody. And they're like, all right, tell me the story of creation. All right, well, here's the story of creation. You know, you start out, God creates the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And, and then he creates, he creates man and puts him in the garden. And he names all the animals. And then, he, you know, he's kind of lonely, though. And there's nobody for him. And so God takes a rib and, and, and makes woman and, and wakes man up. And man sees woman for the first time. And the dude sings, you know. He's like, wow, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is woman. Now he's got to help her. There's the first marriage. Okay. Where does it go from there? Tag team. Okay. So the next person says, well, okay, where it goes from there? Well, then the next is the fall, right? So servant comes and tempts Eve and, and he says, man, you can't trust God. God doesn't know what's good for you. You know, you, you, you need to, you need to take this fruit and then you'll really be wise. And she buys it. And Adam, he's, he's watching ESPN. He's not even got his radar on. He, he's not taking care of his family. They both eat of the fruit. They both fall. They, they, they fall from grace. You know, now they're sinners. Now they're hiding from God. God finds them. God clothes them with animal skins, just kind of looking forward to the cross. Well, what happens next? Okay, we'll tag team. So the next person says, all right, what happens after the fall? Well, after the fall, are you getting the point? You know, can you tell the story of God? Can you go from there to Abraham, you know, from Abraham to Moses, from Moses to David? Can, can you tell the story of redemption? You ought to be able to know the word of God. You ought, to give, you ought to give time and effort to knowing the story of Jesus. Now, I, I know how it is when people tell you you ought to do something. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, but what is the payoff, right? Because if there's not a payoff, you're not doing it. And I don't blame you. I'm not either, right? I mean, I don't, I don't do things that I don't believe there's going to be a payoff for me. Um, you you got to convince me, you know? You tell me to start, you know, eating rice cakes and, and, you know, broccoli and no more French fries. Hey, if you, if you just, you, all you got to do is give me the payoff, okay? If you give me the payoff, then I'm going to feel a whole bunch better and, and I'm going to, you know, be stronger and I'm going to be able to beat Randall. If you tell me I can beat Randall in mountain biking, I will eat whatever you put in front of me right now. I mean, there's my challenge. You show me what I can eat, then I'll beat that guy and I will eat it, okay? Because, I mean, I, I'll eat it. I'll, just give me the payoff. Okay, but, but if you don't give me a payoff, I'm not very motivated. Well, let me give you the payoff. Joshua 1.8. Ready? Here's what, Moses, here's what Moses tells Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, 
and then you'll have good success. Do you see the payoff he gives to Joshua? He says, man, Joshua, this book's got to be a part of your life. In the morning and in the evening, you've got to meditate on it day and night. What's the payoff? Man, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to have good success. Remember the psalmist? Psalm 1, blessed is the man. I want to be blessed. Who else wants to be blessed? I want to be happy. Who wants to be happy in here? Just me. Good. It's all for me. All right. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the, God, uh, of the ungodly or sit in the seat of scoffers or, or, or stand in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he, de- he, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruit in season. And whatever he does will prosper. I mean... Over and over again, the Bible baits you. It says there's great reward in being a person. There's a payoff in in a person who's not lazy in God's word. All right, so sometimes the problem is we're just lazy in the word of God. We've just been lazy in knowing God's truth and giving ourselves to to understand, man, what's the God of the universe said to me? What's his story? What's my story in his story? Okay, number two. Sometimes the lack of progress, sometimes the laziness is that we have input with no output, okay? Notice what he says next in verse 12. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. All right, did you hear that? He says, you, you, you guys ought to be teachers. Now, now, what's he saying here? You ought to be teachers. Well, I think he's saying a couple of things. I think he's saying, number one, you ought to progress, okay? It's this whole thing of, you know, you, you need to be, you, you've been a Christian long enough. You, you ought to be teaching this stuff, but still you're at the basics. You're not progressing, and that's a big problem. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I think what else he's saying is, I, I think he's saying that, that part of receiving and part of hearing the word of God is being a person who speaks God's truth, okay? Now, I understand that not everybody is called to be a teacher in the sense of pastor, elder, Sunday school teacher. Look, look in James 3, 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Totally get that. Totally get that. However, here's the deal. The primary ministry of Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church is believers speaking truth to other people. Okay, did you hear that? If you're new to, 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 to our ministry, you know, and you're coming in and maybe you're joining up or you're just checking us out and you're looking at it and you're saying, yeah, I don't know that there's a place for me. They've already got Sunday school teachers. They've already got <coughs> team kid teachers. They've already got small groups, you know. I don't, I don't know that I'm called to that stuff. So is there a place for me? Listen, the primary mission of the church is to speak God's truth. Okay, that's the mission of the church. One believer speaking God's truth to other people's that that's the mission of Lincoln Avenue. We do that in the character of love. Okay, so our character is to be love, caring for one another. And then our mission is to speak truth. Let me show you this in several different places. Colossians chapter three. Look at this. Colossians three, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. All right, did you see that? It's one another. And whenever you see one another, pay attention because that's you, okay? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We have this commission in our life to speak truth to one another. Families. There's a commission on your life 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. There, there's a command of families. Man, as you're walking through the park, you need to be talking about God's word. As you're, as you're driving, as, as you're going through McDonald's, the drive through you need, you need to be speaking God's truth as applicable. And as it comes up, you're a person, you're a people. We are, are, are God's people. And part of that is that we speak truth. Ephesians 6. Four fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You're to talk about the truths of the Scripture. I'm talking about truths about sin, about God's glory, about the gospel, about life and friendship and purpose and marriage and parenting and money. What, how do you do that? Do you walk around saying, "All right, everybody, hey, hey, you guys, sit down. Everybody, line up, sit down. I got some stuff I got to say to you. You know, please don't do it that way. Okay, that's weird. People won't listen to you. Um, you know how you do it." You just, you do it in your conversation, right? You, you, I mean, you just, you share it through lunch meetings and break room tables and text messaging and small groups and front yard chit chat and neighbors and letters and emails and Facebook posts and blogs. I mean, isn't that the natural thing? What could be more natural than that? And what could be more unnatural? What could be more mean than not sharing helpful information. Truth. When we were at Alabama, I was on my computer and we were all living in this dormitory deal, having this training. And Andrew said, well, how do you like your, your Mac, Jason? He's, he's the one that takes care of purchasing new equipment. And he switched us to these computers. And we've had them about a year and a half now. And I said, well, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I just basically do my stuff on it, just like I, you know, I'm, I don't get very technical with stuff. I said, the thing that really bugs me, though, is that, that it's so slow scrolling. I said, you know, you've got to use these dumb arrow keys. And it just, it just it's slow, you know. In the Bible program especially, my, my Logos program, like I hit that little button on, on my, my Greek and Hebrew index, and it just like tick, 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 tick. I mean, like I've got to do something else, you know. And Daniel starts laughing and he says, well, pastor, all you got to do is put two fingers on the little pad and just scroll up like that. Just two fingers on the pad. And sure enough, I put my two fingers on there. I, it's like a rocket, man. He's like, wow, like, whoa, you know, and I got to slow back down. And man, and he's like, ha, 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 you know, how did you not know that? And I was like, how would I know that, Daniel, you know? I mean, he acts like, like everybody's just born with that. Who didn't know that? Please raise your hands. Please. Yeah. I, who would know that? You don't just naturally know stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, and pastor, if you, if you do this with your two fingers and put them together, then, you know, all your windows come up. And if you go apart, then it magnifies your screen. And if you take them and go this way, you know, it, it gives you another. And I'm like... You know what? It would have been really super cool, guys, if a year and a half ago someone would have taken 20 seconds and showed me that, you know? I mean, I've burned 50 hours of my life doing that dumb arrow scroll, and nobody's ever shown me that, okay? And, and if, you, if you sense that I'm ticked off, I really am. I mean, I'm like, why could you? I mean, isn't that those guys? Why would they not just share that with me? Every time you learn a truth, you know what you ought to ask yourself? Two things. How can I obey this? And number two, who could I share this with? Listen, that ought to be in our DNA, 
Christians. You hear that? That ought to be in our DNA. I mean, that, that ought not be something that, I mean, that's just, that's just, that ought to be who we are as believers. It's like, I've received the truth. Okay, this is not the two-finger Mac thing. It's much more important. It's a truth about Jesus. It's a truth about forgiveness. It's a truth about hope. It's a truth about hell. It's a truth about heaven. It's a truth about marriage. It's a truth about raising kids. It's a truth from God's word that is life or death. Why would my, why would my second thought, my first thought ought to be, how do I obey this, okay? My second thought ought to be, man, does Ed know this? Man, who can I share this with? Well, in my, in my conversation at lunch, you know, it ought to be, hey, man, I, I learned something really cool. You know, did you know this? Because here's what the Bible says. Man, you, you read something about hope in the Bible in your quiet time. Man, your, your first thought ought to be, Okay, how do, how do I live that out? How do I be that person? God, I want to embrace your word. How do, how do I live that out? Your second thought ought to be, man, do I know anybody that's hopeless? I mean, this is the truth of God's word. Now, listen, if we don't share the scriptures, we're not progressing into adulthood. What's, 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 what is the thing about the primary characteristic of an adult? Okay, it's you take responsibility for other people. That's why some people that are really big are not adults, right? Some people that are really old are not really adults. You know why? Because the primary characteristic of an adult is you take responsibility for other people, okay? My six-year-old takes responsibility for herself, okay? That, that, that's, that's kind of growing into being a child. I mean, there are things that are demanded of Haven. She's expected to come out with seasonally appropriate clothes on, okay? That's one of the responsibilities. You know, some, some people in our church, there's a bunch of them at Fifth Street at 945 service. Man, their kids look like they come out of Eddie Bauer, you know? I mean, they come out like, like matching and, you know, layered up. And, like, I'm just glad if today my kids aren't, like, in their swimsuits, you know? I mean, I don't want that. That's not good. You know, flip-flops, come on, you know? I mean, they're resp- we, hit, we emphasize that heavily, okay? You're responsible to get yourself dressed and you're responsible to know is it winter is it summer okay you ought to know that and you ought to dress appropriately okay so they've got responsibility she's resp- my six-year-old she gets her own breakfast she knows how to do that she we, we teach her that the milk's where she can reach it you're good okay you take care of yourself but you know what she's not responsible for everybody else in the family okay she she doesn't have responsibility for her sisters she's responsible for herself addy addy Addie's my, my, my senior in high school. She has responsibility for others. Why? Because she's going into adulthood, okay? So there's three kids that if they don't get to school, guess whose fault it is? It's not mine. It's not Emma's. It's Addie's. Because I have tasked Addie. It is your job to get these three to school on time. You guys need to walk in before the bell rings. And that's your job. And so she, she's coming into adulthood, and one of the marks of that is she has responsibility not just for herself, but also for others, okay? Christians, we need to grow into adulthood. Please don't be a Christian that your whole mindset is, you know what? I just want to come, and I want to take care of myself, but I'm not responsible for anybody else. Somebody said that in the scriptures. Who was that? Oh, that was Cain. Don't make that guy your hero, Okay. Yeah, Cain's, Cain's, the, Cain's the champion of, hey, am I my brother's keeper? You know, I'm not responsible for anybody else. No, we, we're, we're people that are responsible. And, and, and one of the ways that we are responsible and that we speak God's truth to other people, that's the way the church grows. 
Ephesians chapter 4, look at this. Ephesians 4 is a great passage on, on how the church grows. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love. What's the character of, 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 of the people of God? It's love. What's the mission of the people of God? It is, we're truth speakers, okay? Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint with, it, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, okay? Folks, we've got to be progressing. One of the ways that we progress is that we receive the truth, we obey the truth, and we speak the truth, okay? Progress is absolutely essential in the Christian life. That's what Second Peter tells us. Second Peter says, man, how do you know if you're healthy as a Christian? Are you increasing? Verse 8, 2 Peter 1, 8 says, if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, if they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 10 to say, therefore make, your, make, make all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. How do you do that? Are you increasing? In the Christian life. How do you know if you're called? How do you know if you're, if you're, if you're a person of God? Man, am I, am I going forward in the Christian life? The third sign of progress. Maturity. Is using the word of God resulting in transformation. I probably should have put it before, but it doesn't come before in the text. So I just kind of went as they appear in the text. Am I using the word of God resulting in transformation? This whole milk meat thing. Uh, it occurs in First Peter, it occurs in First Corinthians. And, and a lot of Christians, they look at it as, okay, there are easy things in the Bible and there are harder things in the Bible. And, and I agree, there are easy things, easier than and harder things. I, I agree with that. I don't think this is an intellectual thing though. I, I don't think that's what the Bible is telling us here. Okay, I, I, think, I think moving from milk to meat is not a process of getting smarter. I think it's a process of becoming more obedient. Okay, let me show you that. Let me prove that to you. First Corinthians chapter three. Paul here is talking this, the same image. He says, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk. Why, why, why does he say they're still in the milk? Not solid food for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it. Verse three, for you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Okay, now, why, why are they still on, on milk and not meat? You know why? Because they haven't obeyed what they've heard. Paul is saying, look, there's still jealousy and strife among you. Hey, that was lesson one, guys. Love one another, you know? That was lesson one. Care for each other. Okay, how, how can you move on when you, when you, when you won't digest the milk? You, you, you've, you've, got, you've got reflux, okay? Hannah had that when she was a baby, you know? Drink all the milk, you put them up there and burp them, boom, there it all goes. It's coming right back out. Okay, you're not going to grow that way. You're not going to mature that way. And so ask yourself this question, have, have, I, have I obeyed what God's told me? If you find yourself being dull of hearing, you find yourself being uninterested in the Bible, you find yourself having a hard time Hearing the scriptures, you know what could be the problem? You haven't obeyed what you've heard. God doesn't give multiple choice, okay? It's, it, it doesn't happen like this, okay? Here's not the way, it does not happen. This is a negative example, okay? God does not say, hey, Jason, you need, you need to get the bitterness out of your heart and forgive your neighbor. And I don't get to say, no, God, I don't, no, uh-uh. No, I don't like that one. Give me something else, though. God, give me something else. I, I'm not going to forgive my neighbor. But Lord, tell me something about uh, being successful. You know, give me that. 
It didn't work that way. Okay, if, if I'm not willing to obey what God has shown me, I'm not, he's not going to show me more things, is he? I mean, it's not like an optional deal. That's not even the way it works at my house, you know? If I walk into the, into the living room and everybody's watched TV, they're on their devices or whatever, it's like, all right, guys, let's shut things down. Let's clean the living room up. If nobody moves and one of the kids is like, Dad, what else you got? I don't go, okay, well, that didn't work. Who wants to go to McDonald's? Yeah, we'll do that, Dad. I mean, okay, that's not the way it works. And it's not the way it works with God. Notice the imagery here in verse 14. Solid food, okay, so this is maturity. It's for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. Two great, two great phrases here. Trained by constant practice. Trained, constant practice. Man, using the Word of God in every situation of life. You got to use truth. That's how, that's how you grow. You got to use it. Constant practice, training. Use it, use it, use it. You know, I, I was saying the other day, most of the scripture that I have memorized is the stuff I use. I need to be a ton better on being one of those people that just like writes out a verse on a card and takes it with me all day. I need to be a ton better about that. I, I, I do. Um, but, but most of the scripture that I memorize, it, it was done by accident. You know, like Proverbs 3, 13, 20. You know, he walks with the wise, becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Man, you know, you know how I memorize that? I wanted that so badly for my kids. I, I'd tell them every day. When they were growing up, when they were little, still do. Guys, here's what the Bible says. And after about the 50th time of telling them, guess what? I realized I had to memorize, you know? I know that verse. After 57 times of telling them, they had to memorize, you know? Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. How did I memorize that? Well, I've said that about a thousand times in my head, silently to myself while someone's chewing me out, Okay. When I'm, when I'm taking a chewing, uh, I'm saying that in my head. I'm, well, you know why? I need it. Man, I'm, I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. I'm trying to answer back as I ought to. And so I got truth going through my I'm using it. I'm grabbing onto the truth of God. Okay? I'm just using it all the time. Psalm 1611. In his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forever. You guys know that verse because I have told it to you a million times. Use it. Use God's word. The wise man is not the guy who hears the word. The wise man is the guy who acts on it. Isn't that what Jesus told us? Two guys build, one, one on sand, one on rock. What's the difference? One, both guys heard God's word. One of them acted upon it. Take in the word of God. As you take it in and as you obey it, here's what happens. It begins to shape your affections. It begins to shape your thinking. It begins to enable you to have the tools to discern good from evil in all the decisions of your life. It, it sharpens the, 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 the powers of discernment in your life. So you're able to navigate through the gray areas of life. How do you, how do you know not to murder? Well, hopefully you just read the Ten Commandments and that's pretty clear, right? How do you know what to watch on television? 
Okay, you're going to have a hard time finding somewhere that says, turn to channel 5 and watch this at 7, okay? But you know what you do? As you take in the Word of God and as you begin to obey it, take it in, obey, take it in, obey, take it in, obey. You know what happens? You begin to, you begin to train your mind. You, you, the way you think begins to change. The way you love begins to change. What you're convicted over begins to change. And you begin to train the powers of discernment to navigate through all the issues of life. Friendship issues, family issues, budget issues, money issues, recreation issues, job issues, relationship issues. You begin to know those things because your mind and heart are being transformed by the word of God. Okay, that's the process. It happens. Let me me give you one last passage here. Ephesians 4. Um, This is a passage of transformation, okay? This is about you becoming new. This is about you putting off the old man, putting on the new man. Listen to how it takes place, okay? Ephesians 4.20 says, but this is not the way you, now listen to these phrases, you learned Christ, okay? Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about Jesus, heard about him, and were, put, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Four phrases about learning about Jesus, being taught about Jesus, knowing Jesus, hearing about Jesus. And now look where that goes. Verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Have a new mind, be have a changed mind. Verse 24, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the process of God's word in you, guys. It's gonna make you new. The old we put off and the new we put on. But in order to do that, you gotta hear it. And what do we mean by hear it? Not just let it go in your ear. It's everything we've just been talking about. You, you got to want the word. You got to you got to labor in the word. Okay, you got to give some effort to the word. And as it comes in, you you got to obey it. Okay, you got to ask yourself, God, how do I obey this? Who can I speak this to? You you got you got to share the word. You share what's valuable to you. You share what you think is important. If you're not sharing God's truth, that says something about what you think about it. And as that process happens in your life. You will begin to sharpen your powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, and you will mature in your faith. Okay, so real practical. I just, I know I'm emphasizing, but super important. So you're going to open up your Bible tomorrow, tonight, and you're going to read it. And as you're reading it, you're asking questions. All right, what is this saying? What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What's the truth here? And you're, you're going to try to discern the, the truth from the scriptures. And as you receive a truth, what is your very next thing? God, how can I obey this? How can I obey this? Don't skip that. Don't be a person who, who just reads to read. You know, who reads to be able to check it off my list. I read my Bible today. Spiritual Christian. Checked off. Got it. Don't be that guy. You got to train yourself in the word of God. So, so this is God's living word that you can trust. So what does it say? How do I obey it? And then I'm on mission. I'm a child of the king, if that's true of you. Okay, so how do, who can I tell? Who can I share this with? Who needs it? Right? Man, I think that you will see your life will transform in your Bible. Let's live it out. God, help us. We pray for your spirit 
God, to make us mature. God, we don't, we don't want to be sitting still in the Christian life. God, we don't want to be in the same spot a month from now or a year from now that we are right now. God, we want, to, we want you to strengthen us. We want you to change us. We want you to transform us. We want you to make us new. So, Father, we pray for help, for power, for obedience, for boldness. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen.